0: Well, good evening, everyone. Good to see you. Uh, my name is Craig Foster, one of the pastors here, if I haven't met you. Uh, and it's my privilege that I get to look at this last bit of Matthew, our last uh, talk on the Gospel of Matthew after two years. Uh, but let's, have, let's pray together before we look at this passage. Father, we do thank you for giving us your word. Thank you that it is precious. We pray that you would help us to understand it rightly now. That you would speak to each of us to know how we should respond to it and we pray father that you would help us by your spirit to obey it so that we can go into the world and bring you glory we pray this for jesus sake amen well have you ever been given a task a job just so big you think no way that's impossible let me show you a scene from the comedy Cheaper by the Dozen where Steve Martin has, experienced, has this experience as he's left on his own for the weekend to look after his 12 kids. Let's just uh, enjoy this for a couple of minutes. Well, uh, here you go. it reminds me of the, little, the time that I was uh, left at home with uh, four kids for the first time on my own. Not quite as dramatic as that, but uh, exhausting. Well, when we come to the Great Commission, it does seem like the impossible is being asked of us even more difficult than looking after 12 children uh, as was the case for steve martin and the truth is that the great commission of matthew 28 to make disciples of all nations is impossible without god's help but what you'll notice in the great commission is that the command to make disciples of all nations is sandwiched by two amazing truths at the beginning of the great commission in verse 18 jesus says All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. And then the Great Commission finishes at the end of verse 20 with Jesus saying, And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. So it's like this wonderful sandwich. The command to make disciples is the meat in the middle. And God's power and God's presence are the slices of bread that support the meat. Keep it all together. Keep it from falling apart. Perhaps a better image for us is the two strong hands of God that support us as we seek to make disciples of all nations. One hand is God's authority, his power over all things, and the other hand is God's presence. He's with us always as we seek to go and make disciples. So what we're going to consider tonight is what does it look like for you and for me to make disciples of all nations in our situation that we're in here at norwest sadly our matthew series god with us comes to an end tonight so here we are in galilee the last part of matthew and jesus meets his disciples on a mountain possibly the same mountain that he was on when he preached his famous sermon on the mount and he speaks his last words to his disciples his final words to them his final 50 words the disciples. So tonight we are going to look at three aspects of God's great commission. The power of Jesus, making disciples for Jesus, and the presence of Jesus. So first let's consider the power of Jesus. Jesus is able to say in verse 18, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Because of the victory that he has just won as he died for the sins of the world on the cross. And then he rose victorious from the grave at the resurrection. So on Good Friday and Easter Sunday, Resurrection Sunday, Jesus defeated our three greatest enemies, sin, death, and Satan. Thus, he can truly say, I have all authority. And then after Jesus' death and resurrection, he is appointed king of the universe. He's given sovereign power over all things, things in heaven and things on earth. And the all is very significant here. It's not most power or or some power, but all power and authority. Now imagine that you'd been given a pass that you could use that would give you access to any place in the world you wanted to go, and you could just flash your pass, instant access. Perhaps at the moment, the Commonwealth Games would be quite useful. Or the Queen's residence, Buckingham Palace, just flash the pass, no problem, entrance. White House, no problem. Moscow Kremlin, no problem. Cadbury Chocolate Factory, no problem. No problem, whatever it is. Now, I struggle to think of a time where I had access and any real power or authority to something. But I recall when Therese and I had a friend who was working for Qantas. Uh, she seemed to have great power. We arrived at the airport for our big overseas trip. Uh, there was an enormous queue. Uh, we were able to jump the queue. With her power, no problem. Our bags were over the allowance. With her power, no problem. Business class? With her power, no problem. Business lounge? With her power, no problem. And sadly, our flying experience has been all downhill since that occasion. (laughs) So before Jesus gives us the most challenging command we could ever hear, go and make disciples of all nations, he tells us he has the power and authority over all things, wherever we go. Not just some special power at Qantas Airlines, But power and authority over all things. Kim Jong-un, Donald Trump, NASA, Allah, ISIS, you name it. Jesus has power and authority over it. So wherever we find ourselves at the moment, whether in a difficult place in the work environment or school environment, a difficult marriage situation, difficulty with family members or a family illness, financial struggles, mental health problems, We know that God has power and authority over all these things and all these people. He could sort them out like that, but he hasn't. For some reason known to him. Now this understanding of God's power over all things helps us to know that the current situation we're in, whether it's good or whether it's bad, is exactly where God wants us. Which enables us to start each day saying to God, how do you want me to fulfil the great commission and make disciples for you, Lord Jesus, in the situation that I'm in right now, which I know you have all or power, all power and authority over? So we've seen Jesus has power over all things, but let's get to the meat in the sandwich of the great commission, which is making disciples for Jesus. In the great commission, there is one giant command, which is which is why it's not called the Great Suggestion. The Great Commission is not just for missionaries. It's for all disciples. American theologian Don Carson puts it nice and simply for us. He said, The command is given to the eleven in their role as disciples. They are therefore paradigms, that is, models for all disciples. It is binding on all Jesus' disciples to make others What they themselves are, that is, disciples of Jesus. So, the thrust of the Great Commission is the command in verse 19 make disciples, make followers of Jesus. Now, verse 19 reads more accurately by saying, Going, therefore, make disciples. So the main verb here is make disciples, and it's supported by three doing words, three participles, if you like a bit of grammar, which are going, baptizing, and teaching. So we're going to consider these three doing words, the three action words involved in making disciples, going, baptizing, and teaching. So going. In making disciples, we don't just wait for people to come to church. We need to go to them. It's it's interesting in Jesus' ministry that he didn't just set up a monastery and wait for people to come and hear him, sit there and, and dispel his, his wisdom to the crowds. Now, he was constantly going to people, going to the villages and towns, on the byways and highways, in the mountains and in the fields. Jesus was always on the move, just like we're always on the move, going to the school gates for drop-off, to the shops for some, for some food, to the petrol station to get petrol, to the gym to exercise maybe, Or to work for some money or for those who prefer a more sedentary lifestyle to the virtual world going to discussion forums to spread their ideas to the gaming world to mix with other gamers whatever it is we are always going places but there is a sense in the Great Commission that this going needs to keep pushing outwards as verse 19 does not say make disciples of all your friends which is good or your family, which is good, it says all nations. So rather than seeing mission as a, a pinprick on a world globe that doesn't move, it needs to be more like a vine that stretches out across the globe, across all nations. Because the word nation here is, means ethnic group. So, for, for example, the nation of Indonesia is, is one nation. But within Indonesia there are lots of ethnic groups. There are actually 300 ethnic groups in in, uh, Indonesia. Here's a map, you can't quite see. Lots of red dots are here, and the red dots represent all the ethnic groups, the nations that have not been reached with the good news of Jesus. I understand that there are about 16,000 different ethnic people groups worldwide, and there are still 7,000 unreached people groups for Christ. So in terms of going to all ethnic groups of the world, we're just over the halfway mark in achieving this goal. Which is why it's so exciting uh, that people from Chapel Lane, uh, such as Andre and Sarah, are preparing to go and reach these unreached people groups. And Chris and Maz also from Chapel Lane to go and work amongst our own indigenous ethnic groups in Australia. Did you know that in Australia... There are 182 Aboriginal ethnic groups. That is 182 nations. Uh, Here's a map. Amazing. In our own country, speaking some 145 Aboriginal languages, with some 100 of those having no part of the Bible in their own language. Incredible. So the fact that Chris and Maz from Chapel Lane want to go and translate the Bible into an Aboriginal language is just awesome. But we need an army of people doing this, even in our own country. Now, we're not all going to be able to go, like Andrew, Andre, and Sarah, and Chris and Maz. But we should all be prepared to go, or supporting those that go in some way. Whether it's by prayer, or whether it's by finances, or whether by other ways of encouragement. So my prayer for Norwest is that this church will keep desiring to be a church that seeks to reach the nations, the ethnic groups for Christ, the unreached ethnic people groups for Christ in our own nation and all around the world. Wouldn't it be great if in the year 2040, Norwest had thrust out labourers into the harvest field all over Australia and all over the world seeking to make disciples And youth from our youth group being like Isaiah the prophet saying, yes, Lord, please send me. I will go anywhere for you. Wouldn't that be great? Well, the second doing word of make disciples in verse 19 is baptizing. Baptizing in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. So baptizing here is an outward expression that says, yes, I belong to Jesus. Yes, I belong to the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. I have changed sides. I've changed allegiance. I now follow Jesus. So baptism symbolizes a public commitment that says, I'm now dead to me, and I'm alive to Christ. And a time does come where a decision needs to be made in our lives, a commitment. I recall uh, a number of years ago, someone sharing their testimony of how they came to Christ. And they said that sat on the fence for a long time. And they said that all they got from sitting on the fence was a sore bum, which I found quite amusing at the time. We can't be fence sitters forever. There comes a time where we need to make a decision for Christ. Perhaps that is you today. You've been sitting on the fence for too long. And you need to make a decision and become a follower of Jesus, a disciple of his, And give your life to him and obey his teachings. And if that's something that you want to do today, please speak to one of the staff here. Please speak to me or James or Pete. We would love to be able to help you in doing that. Well, the third doing word of make disciples is teaching. So it's going, baptizing, and teaching. Have a look at verse 20. It says, Teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. So after someone is baptised, they're just not left alone. Okay, all the best with that Christian stuff. Good luck with it. No, they need to be taught. And disciple here means to be a student, to be a pupil, an apprentice of Christ. So it's not just about getting someone across the starting line. It's making disciples, not making decisions. It is as verse 20 says, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. Jesus has taught the disciples a lot uh, so far. But it's not just about understanding his teaching, winning the Bible trivia competition at church. It's about obeying what he has commanded us to do on a daily basis. And the truth is that Christians are like plants. We are either growing or dying. I'm not much of a botanist, but I understand that there is no date in the life of a plant called being stagnant, being stationary, being static. It's growing or it's dying. And it's the same for Christians. We're either growing or we're dying. We're either obeying or we're disobeying. So are you growing in obedience to God's word at the moment? Are you growing in your understanding of God's word at the moment? Would you you describe your Christian growth as good growth, Or are you staying on baby food, formula milk, and avoiding going on to, to the solids? One of our oldest church members here is currently reading through John Calvin's Institutes, uh, which we had to read at Theological College,' this massive tome of a work. How encouraging is this man who is nearly 80 years of age, still working through some solid biblical food? Wouldn't it be great if we could take on something that helped us to keep growing in our understanding of God and his word and our obedience to it this year? He's such an encouragement to us, uh, this man, and a great example for us. And as I think back over the years, I think one of the things that I have found most helpful in growing as a Christian is when I've had an older Christian discipling meet meeting up with me one-on-one and teaching me about God and the Bible, teaching me about life and encouraging me to obey God's word. But as time goes on and the gray hairs start coming out, I found it equally encouraging meeting up with younger Christians to read the Bible with them, to disciple them, to be a disciple maker. So I have another prayer for Norwest, a few of them today. It is that we would see more and more older mature, wiser Christian men and women discipling younger Christian men and women. If you have been a Christian for a while, how can you encourage a younger brother or sister in the faith? How can you disciple them? Or if you are a young Christian in maturity, who can you ask to disciple you? Well, making disciples, going, baptizing and teaching is a huge job, particularly when it's for all nations. Well, Jesus' last sentence, his last 14 words are just exactly what we need to encourage us in the Great Commission, in this great task. Because not only have we the power of Jesus, but we also have the presence of Jesus. Verse 20 says, And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. So we are surrounded by God's powerful hand and his comforting presence his comforting hand as we seek to make disciples so the one who has all authority in power in heaven and on earth promises to be with us wherever we go as we seek to make disciples for him so these words at the end of verse 20 are the most comforting words we could ever hear surely i'm with you always to the very end of the age Jesus is with us in a very special way as we get involved in making disciples. So wherever we find ourselves at the moment, not only does God have the power over that situation, but he's right there with us in it. His presence is with us. You might recall way back in Matthew chapter 21, verse 23, we were introduced to Jesus. He was called Emmanuel, which means God with us. And we end Matthew in the last verse with a reminder that God is with us. These book endings almost, that God is with us. Jesus will be with us until the very end of the age as we seek to make disciples. So as we struggle away in the situation that we find ourselves, whether it's a happy place or a difficult place in the moment, what the Great Commission tells us is that as we go and make disciples, God has power over that situation And God's presence is with us in that situation. And we need to cling to these two incredible truths, God's power and his presence. Now, just as we we finish and finish the series on Matthew, we know that the Great Commission is for us to make disciples of all nations. We know that. But the challenge for us is, how do I have a heart, a desire strong enough to do this, To be moved to do this. So it's just not words on a page. It's just not a command that doesn't really mean much to us. And as we look back at Jesus' example for us, what we notice about him was his great love for the lost. Remember, he, he looked over Jerusalem and he wept. His tears flowed for the city of Jerusalem. He was on his knees in prayer for the lost. He prayed for them and he loved them deeply. There is a lovely story of a man called D.L. Moody who was a great American evangelist that I want to finish with. He was largely illiterate uh, and when he did a mission in England he upset a number of the church hierarchy over there because he was getting such great results. And some clergymen who were jealous of this uneducated Yankee wanted to know his secret. So they knocked on the door of his hotel room, greeted him by saying, Mr. Moody, we want to have a word with you. You've come to London and you have virtually no education. You speak horrible English. Your sermons are very simple, yet thousands of people are converted. We want to know, how do you do it? Well, Moody invited his guest into the room and walked over to the window and asked them, what do you see? One gentleman looked and said, I see a park and some children playing. And he asked the second gentleman, what do you see? And the second man said, I see the same thing except I also see an older couple enjoying the evening. And then the third man added that he also saw a young couple. And the third gentleman then asked Moody, what do you see? As Moody stood there staring out the window, tears began to roll out upon his grey beard. One of his curious guests said, Mr Moody, what are you looking at? What do you see? Mr Moody said, When I look out the window, I see countless thousands of souls that will one day spend eternity in hell if they do not find a Saviour. It's powerful, isn't it? And that is why Jesus commands us to go and make disciples of all nations, baptising them and teaching them to obey everything that Jesus has commanded, And as we do that, God's power and his presence will be with us to the very end of the age. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for the example of Jesus. We thank you for the example of Moody, who as they looked out at the people around them, they wept because they realized that they were lost without a saviour. Father God, we pray that this great commission would not just be another command, but this would be something that moves us, that you would, by your spirit, help us to look at those around us as desperately lost and doomed for hell forever without you. Lord, give us Jesus' love, we pray, for them, and help us to go and make disciples. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.